Tonight I'm going to talk about three principles for successful Christian living. Three things. Three principles for successful Christian living. This is Wednesday night Bible study. And so I want to just give you some things that I think will help you in your walk with God. I, uh, there's, there's nothing quite like, did anybody here watch the Olympics, especially the opening ceremonies? Did anybody see that this past year? Maybe not. You're probably not a sports fan, but that is a grand, grand opening, the opening ceremony of the Olympics. The, the flags from all over the world, uh, it, it, the athletes, the, the best of the best that go to the Olympics and uh, those who have gained honor. It's a spectacular sight. It's a, it's a great thing. The participants are all in their brightly colored uniforms and everything is blended together. And uh, I'm telling you, it's done with precision. Uh, there's a kaleidoscope of races and creeds and cultures and people from around the world. It is, it is a very phenomenal thing, the opening of the Olympics. The athletes and the coaches that have worked for years to attain what, what they are now partaking of, they paid their price, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime ordeal. But before they enter the stadium for the United States of America, before they ever hear the deafening cheers of the Olympic-sized crowd, they are asked to repeat a saying. Now, I, I, I did not know this, and I, I looked this up, and this writer said that they are asked to repeat a saying, and so they do. Every athlete says this. They make them say these words. I am prepared. Everybody here say, I am prepared. Say, I have followed the rules, and I will not quit. So tonight, I'm going to preach on those three principles of Christian living. I am prepared, or I have prepared. I have followed the rules, and I will not quit. When I thought about that and thought about what that could mean in your walk with God, I've, I've, I've never been to the Olympics. I've never been there. But for these athletes to declare, I have prepared, I have followed the rules, and I will not quit. It could be so likened to the church. And I want to give you some Bible and give you some Scripture because anything less than this, as the battle cry of the church will exclude us from the great day of the rapture of the saints of the living God. It's more than a medal involved here. It's more than just uh, the, the glamour and the, the grand prize and the glory that comes in this world. But ladies and gentlemen, if we prepare and if we follow the rules and if we do not quit, we're going to attain an eternal prize. Amen. Paul said he was, he was looking for the prize that was set before him. More than a trophy. More than your name in bright lights. We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about what really will happen if we have come to do exactly what these athletes do and prepare I've come to challenge you tonight to a higher standard of Christian living. You may be 
one of those that have lived for God for many years. And uh, some of you in this building literally have lived for God more than longer than most of us have been alive. And I don't, ha- I don't qualify to stand here and tell you how to walk with God. But when you participate in this walk with God, you've heard it said before, I want to walk with God. When you participate in this walk with God, you got to be prepared to follow. You got to have a no quit attitude. You got to be willing to take every correction and the rules that God has set down. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we as we go forward. It is a requirement. This is not haphazard living. This is not you can do it if you want to. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to give it your best shot. Let me say that again. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to give it your best shot. Somebody said, well, I'm saved. No, you're not, and neither am I. We're not saved completely until we hear the gates click behind our heels. And the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You believe that tonight? Here's what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. He said, study, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's some study involved to be prepared for the journey. I, I read a, a, a story, I, it, was, it was interesting to me, about a, Japan, a Japanese emperor that several centuries ago commissioned an artist to paint a bird. A number of months went by, the story said, and then years went by, several years, and still no painting was brought to the emperor's palace. And finally, this emperor became so agitated and exasperated because he had not received this painting that he asked for that he literally went to the artist's home to demand an explanation. And instead of making excuses, the artist, the artist placed a blank canvas on the easel. And in less than an hour, less than an hour, he completed a painting that was to become a brilliant masterpiece. When the emperor looked at him and asked the reason for the delay, here's what he said. The artist showed him armloads of drawings of feathers and wings and heads and feet. And then he explained it this way. He said, all of the research and all of the study was necessary before I could paint that picture today in just an hour. He had to prepare. We all prepare. We prepare for something. Amen? Some of us prepare for retirement. Some prepare to buy a new home. Some prepare to to maybe buy a new car. Some prepare for a career that is on your agenda in the future. We all take time to prepare. We have events in our life that we prepare for. We prepare for things. How many of you can say amen to that? 
You can think of things right now. I can't put pinpoint everything in your life, but this I do know. There are things in your future that you're looking at that you're making plans for and you're preparing for right now. You prepare things for your family. You prepare for a vacation. You prepare for a time in your life when there's a certain goal that you want to attain. So my question is this, what are you preparing for in the kingdom of God? You see, living for God can become just a, a, an everyday habit to where it becomes no longer exciting. It's kind of like going to the same job for 30 years or, uh, or doing the same thing over and over in life. It gets to where it's just, uh, it's, it's just you know, okay, Okay, I'll be there. Okay, it's, it's not exciting, but let me tell you what will make it exciting. When you keep preparing for the final day and the final destination, you cannot quit preparing as long as you're in this world. Somebody here shout amen. One man said, if you wait until opportunity comes, it's too late. Opportunity does not come to those who wait for it. Opportunity comes to those who prepare for it. You don't wait for it. You prepare for it. So if you're just acting like a spectator and you're in the stands and you, you're waiting for your opportunity, that's never coming. You have to make it happen. And you make it happen by making preparations for what God wants to do and in your relationship with the Lord. You, it, it will come. Your opportunity will come, but not if you're not prepared. Amen. So, I have prepared. That's what the athlete said. I have prepared. When we stand before God, we're going to regret that we didn't have more preparation to do the things of God in this earth. So I'm urging you, if you want to be a participator and not a spectator, there's a few things you got to do. And one thing is this, you got to strip away everything that's unnecessary. Hello? You got to lay some things aside. How do I know that? Because Paul said it this way in Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore we are, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, watch this, every weight and the sin which so, doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So Paul said, you gotta, you got to lay some stuff down. Come on now, help me preach up in here tonight. You, if you come to God and really prepare, you got to lay some stuff down. That's some stuff that you can't keep in your life. Amen. Now, when you got married, if you're married, or if you've ever been married, when you got married, you had to quit dating other folks. Well, you didn't have to, but it's best that you did because you're going to be in real trouble if you didn't. Amen? There's just some things that you can't do when you come to God. I, I, could, I could literally preach an hour right here because here's what Paul said. Somebody said, well, is so-and-so listed in the Bible? No, 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 everything's not listed in the Bible. You know, the greatest thing that's happening in America right now is they're running over Budweiser with trucks and, and, and big machines. And 
The Bible never says don't drink Budweiser. Are you aware of that? The Bible doesn't say that. But I'll tell you what it does say. It says that you shouldn't harm your body because it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And it also says, Paul said in one place, and I love this, he said all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. There's some things that we don't do and we lay aside because they're weight. They're just not good for us. There's some things that they're not sin, they're just not good for us. Amen? So, so here's what happens. You have to lay aside some things in order to be prepared. Lay aside every weight. And I submit to you tonight, some of you have never heard me teach like this, but, but I want to tell you what I believe. There's a difference in weight and sin. There's, I, I'll use my dad. He's, he's, uh, he's a great example. When, when my dad was young, he was, he was a rodeo guy. Loved it. Was good at it. Loved horses all of his life. But uh, when he came to God, he felt like he needed to lay that down. He felt like he just didn't need to go back because that was really his God. And so he said, I'm not going to a rodeo anymore. And I remember late in life, I, I said one time, Dad, such and such is coming to town. He said, son, now, if you want to go, you go right ahead. But I have I just laid that down many years ago, and I'm not going to pick that back up. Wasn't a sin, just a weight, just a weight, just something that I need to do. Oh, I might be, it's getting quiet, so I might need to stay right here for a minute. Everybody in this room ought to have personal convictions. You ought to have something in your life that you do just to make you a better Christian. Not because it's in the book wrong, but because you know that it's a downfall to you and you don't need to go there, so it's a weight. Everybody say it's a weight. I don't know what it is, I, but, but Paul said you've got to lay aside all the weight or every weight and the sin. That word and is a conjunction that means adding to the weight. It's sin. Add sin. Some things we know is wrong. Some things may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. And it may be wrong for me, but it may not be wrong for you. But we've often just preached a blanket deal, you know. Bless God, here it is. Just throw the blanket over the whole thing. And people are kicking and wiggling and screaming and thinking, why in the world? What? Why? Because, you know, just because I don't like it, don't make it wrong or don't make it sin. That's good stuff whether you believe it or not. It needs to be taught. But if you're going to prepare, you've got to strip away the unnecessary things in your life things that drag you down, things that y'all don't really want me to teach like a pastor here, do you? Because I'm thinking right now while I'm, while I'm talking, and I see things in, in, in some of our lives that they're, they're not wrong, but they keep us away from prayer, and they keep us away from church, and they keep us away from the kingdom of God. And they keep us from being dedicated and consecrated to the things of God. And we got too much time spent on them than we do on the things of God. And anything that comes between you and God becomes your God. 
I might need to shift gears here. So, repent and lay some things aside. This means you've got to take a real close look at you. Not everybody else. You've got to take a close look at what's important in your life, what your priorities are in your life. I was thinking, I was thinking driving down the road just yesterday, I need to say some things to this church. I hate to say them on Sunday morning because visitors come. But I really need to say some things. And then if I say them on Wednesday night, the young people don't get to hear them. And the, the kid life don't get to hear it. And, and everybody's not out here. And besides that, some people just have got so much God that they don't have to come but once a week. Well, amen. But I need to say some things. So I may just have to take Sunday and apologize to the visitors and say some things to our church. But here's what I was thinking. Where are our priorities? Where is our, our love for God? Where, you see, when I start talking about laying aside the weight, that means pushing things out of the way that's pushing me further from God. Pushing things out of the way and putting them down that, that, that are drawing my attention and getting me involved in things that would keep me from doing the things of God. Hmm. I'm not talking about, you, you know what the Bible said, if we would judge ourselves, if we would judge ourselves, we don't have to have somebody else judging us. But we don't like to judge ourselves. We like to look in the mirror and tell this old boy everything's good when it's really not good. We like to say everything's well and we fool ourselves. But if we would really judge ourselves, not put yourself down, just do an honest evaluation, letting the word of God shine upon you and, and pray in this prayer, Lord, whatever it is you want to remove out of my life, remove it because I'm preparing for the things of God in my life. God can't work where, where there's so much clutter and there's so many things. He's, he got on to Martha in the New Testament when Martha was all upset she was cooking dinner and she had the beans on and the rice and gravy going and the roast in the pot and everything was looking good and her sister was over there at the feet of Jesus and she said, Lord, she won't help me. And you know what the Lord said? I'm just paraphrasing. He said, Martha, that's your problem. You're cumbered about with many things, and Mary has chose the good part. You don't need to be cumbered about with many things. You need to lay aside every weight and let God be God in your life and do what he really wants to do. Somebody say amen. Here's what else you have to do. You don't just have to strip away the unnecessary things. You have to overcome hindrances. And brother, there are hindrances in our lives. Amen. And what Paul said to the Galatians, you did run well. Who? Somebody shout who. Notice he didn't say what did hinder you that you should not obey the truth. He said who did hinder you. I heard, a, I heard a preacher say this not long ago, and I thought, man, that's good stuff. No, it wasn't a preacher. It wasn't a preacher. 
Let me tell you who it was. It was Steve Harvey. Sometimes he's a preacher when he wants to be. Probably not our kind, but he said, God puts some people in your life for a period of time, for certain things in your life, and then they're gone, and you think they ought to stay, but God just put them there for a certain period of time. He was talking about himself and his life and where he had been and what had happened to him. And, and he just had some good things to say. And when I, when I read this today and thought about it, who did hinder you? There are some people in your life you don't need in your life. Now, we, we got to love everybody, but there's some folks you don't need to hang out with. Amen? Somewhere you may have changed some friends. You may have to let some people go. I want everybody to like me. You want everybody to like you. We want to be friends with everybody. But I'm telling you, I've come to the realization I don't need everybody in my life. There are some people that are a detriment to me and not a blessing. Y'all don't get too quiet on me. Don't look over at your friend dispose of them during the church. Amen. Who did it hinder you, Paul said? Who did hinder you? Most of the greatest tests that we have in preparing for the things of God is not a what in our life. It's a who in our life. Well, she said this, and he said this, and they done this. I'll tell you, I've been bitter about that. And you know what? You get bitter, and, and you get all discombobulated, if I could use that word. And God can't do anything through you. You're not preparing. You're paying attention to everybody that's around you and what they're doing and what they're saying. you know, you got to get your eyes on Jesus. That's why Paul said, I have set my affection on things above. I'm not worried about what they're saying. I'm not, look, he was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. Even the Jews that he tried to be a part of and to help them, they turned on him. You've got to overcome the hindrances in your life. You've got, to, you, you've got to let the right people influence you. You've got to make sure you're hanging with the right crowd. My daddy always said to me, son, you don't have to commit the crime. If you're in the crowd, that's all that matters. You, you're just as guilty. Anybody ever heard that? Did parents ever teach you that? I wonder if parents still teach like my dad and mom taught me. They, they wanted to know who I was hanging out with. Can you believe they wanted to know that? Who's coming home with me? Who am I going home with? Uh, whose house? Well, I need to meet their mom and daddy. I need to know my, more about them. I remember one time specifically in my life, I wanted to go to a guy's house. My mom said, no, you're not going. I said, why? Well, I don't know them. Well, they're good people. How do you know? You see, the bottom line is, who matters in your life? Who? Who matters in your life? That's why you, look at me, that's why our kids can't hang out with the wrong crowd. When they start hanging out with the wrong crowd, they get that junk in their mind that the world has, and, and it feeds into them. And the first thing you know, we're saying, oh, my little boy, oh, my little girl. Why? Because Let me tell you something. I'm going, I did know where my kids were when they were growing up. 
And if I didn't know, I was out hunting them. And I have drove the streets at night looking for them. And when I did find them, I will let them tell you what happened. Because the who matters in your life. You got to overcome the hindrances. Am I doing okay? I got 27 minutes. My leg ain't going to hold out that long, you lucky folks. Renee, pray for me. I ain't going to let you live that one down. <laughs> she was picking. She said, now, we don't want when we get that healed or not, you know. And, but anyway, here's what you have to do. Focus on the end results. To be prepared, you got to look beyond the right now, and you got to look at the end of this. Here's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4. And eight, here's what he said. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I'm looking for that day. Would you just get that in your mind, that day? What day when we stand before God and he's either going to say saved or lost? Well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I never knew you. He's going to tell us. We're going to stand before him. None of us will ever succeed if we don't know where we're going and why we're running. You've got to have a goal in your mind, and it needs to be the, an eternal goal that said, I am going to sit at the feet of Jesus for the eternity and live for God as such right now that I can have the conclusion that I'm looking for. You can't just serve God for heaven. Let me tell you, I, I've preached this for many, many years. People can come to God. You can scare people to the altar. Used to. You can't anymore. I used to preach on hell, Michael, and, and, and before I'd get through, the altar before. I preach on hell now, and they said, Hurry up, preacher. We, we're going to Piccadilly. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Times have changed. You can't scare people into living for God. So you can't live for God because you're afraid of hell, and you can't live for God just because you want to go to heaven. You have to fall in love with Jesus Christ. The love of God. The Bible said, Jesus said, not if you want to go to heaven, you'll keep my commandments. What did he say? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if we're going to prepare and we're going to be ready, we've got to focus on the end results and say, Lord, my end results is because I fell in love with you. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep loving because the final destination is to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You can't live for God out of fear. You got to live for God because you love God. Amen? So that's why sometimes I preach and I preach hard and I say, you know what? Well, I'm not going to go there because I'm going to preach that real soon. I'm going to just preach that. I'm going to let that stay right there. Here's another thing you have to do if you're going to prepare. Paul said, I followed the rules. You, the, I have prepared. Everybody say, I have prepared. Say, I have followed the rules. 
Now, now, when we say the rules, we're not talking about a bunch of pharisaical rules that the preacher writes down or the organization writes down or the church writes down or any committee writes down. That's pharisaical. That's not what I'm talking about. The Bible said this, Paul talking to Timothy, he said this, if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive for lawfully. When I speak of the rules in the scripture, I'm not talking about a do a bunch of do's and don'ts that we make up. I'm talking about the the word of God. You have to live by the word of God. It's not what I say, it's what God says. It's not what brother so and so says, it's what God says. And if you live by the rules, you'll live by the doctrine, you'll live by the by the love of God, you'll give, you'll live by the epistles, you'll live your life according to the things that God has handed to us in his holy word. Amen. I don't guess it's any secret, so I'll say it. It's it's it was in the news here a while back that the Catholic Church is redefining sin. How in the name of God do you redefine sin? Sin is sin. You can't redefine sin. Does anybody here even know what sin is? You want me to give you a real simple, simple definition? You ought to write it in your Bible. Put it in your phone. You just remember what I'm about to tell you. Sin is a transgression against the law of God. That's what sin is. It's not transgression against me uh, and against the, it's against a transgression against the law of God. You can't redefine that. What was sin is still sin. What used to be sin is still sin. What is sin today will be sin 10 years from now. What is sin is sin and God defines sin. So when you look in the scripture and you find out what sin is and you follow the rules, then you're okay. Amen? Paul said it this way. Paul said it this way. I have fought a good fight. Notice it's in the past tense. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Paul wrote that in the past tense. He didn't aimlessly drift through life saying, well, you know, if I make it, I make it. If I get to church on Sunday, so good. If I don't, well, it's, no, 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 no. He was given to the fact that every day of his life was to make it to heaven and to see Jesus Christ. So you have to live discipline in your daily action. You gotta be obedient to the principle of the scripture. I'm talking about I'm talking about not just I have prepared, but I have followed the rules. Quit, somebody said, I have people come to me every once in a while. Brother Chance, do you think this is sin? Why are you asking me? If you got a doubt, why are you asking me? I'm not God. You think I'll go to hell for this? Well, what's the Bible say? See, the final authority is not me. <laughs> The final authority is right here. This is the final authority. But if this says it, honey, we better be living by it. If this, if this gives us a direction, I, I, boy, I could say some stuff here right now. I wish you'd go study Jesus' ministry. It's a whole lot different from the ministry of, of what some folks have in, in the day we're living in. He, he just didn't talk about a lot of stuff that we, we talk about. 
<laughs> Go study it. He was always healing the sick, raising the dead, encouraging people that were down and out. He was a friend of sinners. He ate at supper at Simon's house. He met a woman at the well that had five husbands, and the one she was living with wasn't her husband. He just, he was always risking his reputation. He just stepped right on out there. That's what Jesus did. That was his ministry. You know, we, we, we want to relegate God to you got to do this and you got to do this. and you Look, here's what I say. Let's just get them before Jesus and let, let's, let's get the fish in the boat and quit trying to clean them while they're still in the lake. We've done that for years. Well, I tell you what now. No, don't tell me what. I don't even want to hear it. You see, here's, here's the deal. A boxer doesn't win a fight on the night of the match. Did you hear me? Well, I thought he, he did. No, a boxer doesn't win the fight on the night of the match. A true fighter wins the fight months before the match because of his disciplines and his daily training and the regimen he goes through. I don't know if you know what boxers do, but, 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 but they run, they run, and they jump rope, and they shadow box, and they spar, and it's hours and hours and hours and hours. Their body has to be trained. You think you can get in the ring? Let me tell you something. I've, I've, I've done it a few times. You think you can just, you think a three-minute round? A three-minute round is eternity when you're in a boxing ring. You better have some stamina. You better have some grit. You better know what you're doing. But a boxer don't win it. He don't step up to the ring. He don't get up. He, he don't get up and go that night and say, well, I'm going to win this fight. No, 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 no. He, he trains. He practices. He works out. He spars. He gives it his best shot because he's preparing and he's following the rules. Because let me tell you, it's going to pay off. you got to strive lawfully. you got to do it God's way. you got to do it not by your own but your own rules or your own uh, program, however you want to, whatever word you want to use, you got to apply yourself to the will of God and the mind of God and pray every day and fast and seek God and be holy unto God and walk the walk and talk the talk because you're doing it for God and you want to follow everything that he has laid down for the church to be saved. That's another principle, following the rules. Here's the last one. I will never quit. I will never quit. Quitters are losers. Jesus said this in Mark 13. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, there's a lot written into that word right there. He that endures. What does that say to you? When you endure, that, mean, that means you're going through some stuff. How many of you know that to live for God, you're going to go through some stuff? The devil's going to fight you every day. Amen? And the more you pray, the more he's going to fight. And if he's not bothering you, it's because you're not praying. If he ain't hopping up on your shoulder and, and trying to stop the progress in your life, it's because you're going the same way he is. I'm just telling the truth. I hate to say it, but he's a good devil. 
he does his job. He, let me tell you, he, he, he didn't, he, he ain't down to the bar room tonight. He's got them folks. He's in church. He's trying to get you to think of something else while I'm preaching. He came with church tonight. Get out of here, devil. In Jesus' name. I'm not playing. I'm just telling you that's the way the devil works. But, 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 but you, you, you got to hear me when I tell you this. Enduring, Paul said to Timothy in, in 2 and 3 of 2 Timothy, he said this, Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I, w- I never have been a soldier. Anybody here been a soldier? Anybody? We got the event, uh, Jamie Myers, there's one. A- anybody else been a soldier? Yeah, I see, I see one. Uh, Nikki, I see you. Uh, soldiers, it's not a cup of tea. When you're, when, you're, when you're out on the battlefield, you know, I mean, that's, that's hard stuff. When you're, when you're eating out of them cans of, of food that is not the best in the world and, you know, you're giving it your best shot, hardness. Paul said, you endure hardness. That means you go through it. You hang on. You keep doing it because it's going to pay off. Paul said, Timothy, endure hardness. So, And Jesus said, if you endure to the end, that word endure, the connotation of that is trial and trouble and sickness and pain and hard times and tough times. You got to look, sissies can't live for God. You got to have a backbone like a saw log. Now I had like an alligator to make it. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You get a, you may get full of the Holy Ghost on Sunday, and Monday morning the whole world comes apart. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. You get to the job and everybody's mad and somebody's cussing, and you know I, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I got a puppy. His name is Jet, and I love him to death. But I had a guy doing a little floor work for me the other day. He was uh, fixing a place in my house, and he had just took the trial and took the glue and laid a big strip about this wide and about six foot long. The boards weren't down yet. The, the floor wasn't down, but the glue was down. And Jet got away from me, and Jet went straight through the glue. And that wasn't bad enough. When he came out, he went all over the house with that stuff in his paws. And I finally caught him. And when I caught him, I was was ready to kill him. I said, how would I get this off? He said, preacher, that ain't coming off easy. He went and got me some kind of, I don't know what he got, some kind of chemical because I rubbed it, got it in between his toes. And when I got all through, all through that, the guy, the owner of the company, the, he was there working. He said, I, I tell you, preacher, I'm impressed with you. I said, why? He said, because you didn't say one bad word. I said, not out loud. There's times you want to say it out loud. It's time. But half the battle is when you declare it. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm going to endure this. I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this happen. You know, here's what Paul said, and I hurry now. I hurry. Here's what he said. Wherefore, 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Having done all to stand, he said, here's what you do. Stand. When things don't go your way, stand. When your faith is tested, stand. When your decisions are aligned, with Scripture and others trying to denounce you and tell you you're not going to make it, stand. When you are alone, just stand. Don't quit. Stand. Don't quit fighting. Don't quit moving. Don't stop. The whole armor of God begins with you putting on the helmet of salvation. That, that's so your mind can be protected. You protect your thinker and get your head screwed on right and then stand. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I refuse to quit. Well, you've stumbled. I'm going to get back up. I'm not quitting because quitters never win and winners never quit. And the third principle is this. Do not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. I don't care what anybody says. Have you made mistakes? Yes, sir. More than I like to talk about. But I will also tell you this. Every time I make a mistake, I'm going to get that blood from Calvary and put it back on my soul. And I'm going to get washed back up and cleaned back up. And I'm going to go another day and another hour and another week and another month. This is not a journey where you can look 10 years down the road. you got to do this every day, every day, every day. Somebody shout, I won't quit. You got to be in the Olympics, you won't quit. You got to be in the church, you won't quit. Quitters are not going to go in the rapture. My Lord, I've been around long enough. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. I've been around long enough till I, 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 I've seen folks that you thought they was going to make it, but they quit. You'd get hope for them, Brother Hodge. They'd come back. You thought, well, this time, this time, they quit. I've seen many two-week revival Christians get on fire. Woo, praise God, shouting the victory. Little trouble comes along. Little trial comes along. They quit. What happened to those sorts? Oh, well, they quit. Read my lips. I ain't quitting. I ain't quitting. I might do some things, but I ain't quitting. I might fail again tomorrow, but I ain't quitting. I'm going to keep going. I, I read a story of a guy. I thought it was so intriguing. And uh, he said he, he, he was having a son born. And he said a, a very interesting thing happened when his son was being born. He, he arrived at the hospital with the anxiety of being a first-time parent, not really knowing what to expect. And, they checked in, and the lady went to labor, the labor suite, prepared for the coming of their firstborn son. And months before that new arrival, months before, he said we had taken the Lamaze classes and, and uh, learned how to breathe and, you know, all that stuff. We, let me tell you how I breathe. When my third one was born, they stuck the needle in my wife's arm, and I fainted. That's the way I breathe. That's <laughs> true story. More importantly, he said, we made some decisions ahead of time about how we would approach this moment and the use of epidurals. So 
He said, we got into the labor, and since we had already made up our minds about things, his wife had the medicine and drifted off to sleep, and a few hours later, it was time to do the real hard stuff. And the doctor reached over on the pole that had the epidural medicine hanging from it, and he said he did the most unthinkable thing, the most unimaginable thing. He said he turned off the epidural. And he said his wife, who had fallen, uh, had fallen in love with the, the doctor and the epidural, and just knew everything was going to be great. And she, she, she gently spoke with a firm question. She said, "Why did you do that?" And the doctor looked over at her, and this guy said, "I never will forget his words." He said, "This, ma'am." You can be comfortable or you can give birth, but you can't do both. Let that sink in. You can be comfortable or you can give birth, but you can't do both. That's why while we're at ease in Zion, it's not enough just to be parked at the door and making the church services and sauntering through our Christian walk. You got to be prepared. You got to follow the rules. And you got to say, I won't quit. Stand with me tonight. I hope I've helped you. Three principles. Three principles. You just got to do it God's way, not your way. Quit, get that stuff out of your mind. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. It matters what God thinks. Thank you for allowing me to, to speak the word of the Lord to you. And I, really, I, I truly feel tonight that I've spoken right into somebody's life here. And I hope that you'll take what I've said and remember it every day of your life. We want to go to heaven and we want to see Jesus I want to see him face to face. I want to know him. I want a relationship with him. How about you? I want to know him better than I've ever known him. And so I'm going to prepare. I will follow his rules, and I'm no, never going to quit. God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the word of God sink deep into the spirit of every person on these pews tonight. And for those watching by way of Internet, God, go into that home. Give us a great, great determination. And give us, Lord, the great power of the Holy Ghost to sustain us in these terrible hours in which we live. We need you today. We're preparing. We're following the rules. And we're never quitting. In Jesus' name.